0: Welcome to the Bachas Podcast. My name is Don. My name is Scott. And it has been like weeks and weeks and weeks. Oh wait, wait! You don't know that it's been like minutes. Two weeks ago, right? Don't we drop every uh, every two, other three. week?
1: Oh yeah, yeah. We drop every other week. Okay, right. So it's been right. two weeks since we've been with you, absolutely, dear, dear
0: listener. Right?
1: <laughs> you
0: don't know that.
1: Yeah. By the way, thank you so much. For uh-huh. moving the washer and dryer.
0: Oh yeah, not a problem. That did was, you did you get it in? You never even told me whether you got it in.
1: Yeah. Oh, you mean like the finished install part?
0: No. Like oh this- no, we did get the second and one. Yeah, in, we we? Okay, yeah, we got yeah. it. Okay, yeah. Because I was like, last last time I remember, I was like, we were standing at your door, going, "How's this going to go in?" And then I forgot. We we did get it. <laughs> and in. Then you blacked out,
1: <laughs> and I took it down by myself. No, no, it was. Um, I put the back of it back on and okay. plugged it all in, and we've used it. Okay, awesome. And it's it's been. Phenomenal oh, Nice. However, I don't think my landlord listens, but if she does, I'm sorry. But your plumbing is really old. If you are if you have the washer going and somebody's in the shower and anybody in the house decides to flush a toilet, turn on a faucet, the shower gets a trickle of water. Oh. <laughs> I was like, hey, <laughs> hey can you, whatever you're doing, can you stop? <laughs> <laughs> don't turn the washer on. That's it was it's bad. Wow. So that kind of sucks. But it's a rental, and we'll only be there for a couple of months, hopefully.
0: The, what is it, October? When do you move into your new place?
1: Uh, anytime between August and October, it could be done. So
0: Okay, so a good three-month span of when you could be done.
1: Yeah, well, supply chain issues, oh, uh, weather yeah. could play a role, cicadas could play a role. So if you don't know what's up, we're building a house, and um, they're finalizing the blueprints right now. And once those are done, they file for the permits. And so it can take anywhere from a month to six weeks for that process. And once they have the permits, they can break ground. Okay. And uh, now some people, depending on where they're at, break ground and their home is done in two months. That kind of scares me a little, but I guess it's not unheard of. Other people break ground and then the rains, the floods, tornadoes, and like, you know supply shortages or whatever labor shortages happen and they don't see their home for four months.
0: See, I don't understand because I've recently read that people have had their homes 3d printed. So it's crazy. (laughs) I, I don't understand where materials would become a problem.
1: Uh, right now, basically what happened was we had a pandemic in 2020. Do you remember that? No. Yeah. Well, some people got sick and everybody got scared and everybody said, man, you're not coming to my house to build that deck, replace that room, do that addition.
0: Oh, yes. I made people call me Sub-Zero. Sub-Zero? Yeah. Because I was wearing a mask. And oh,
1: so, uh, <laughs> uh, so that happened. And so nobody had any work done. Well, then everybody got bored and realized that, you know what? I could get that deck because I'm spending time at home and I'd love to have a deck to hang out on because I don't have one. Or I'd love to add that study onto my house because I work from home now or whatever. Or since I'm work from home now, we're going to build a house because an apartment's not working with three kids or whatever happens to be. And so all of those back orders are now coming into play. On top of that, they're like, hey, lumberjacks, we know you're outside where there's no chance of you catching the virus, but you can't work for two months. So all this stuff comes together and there's no lumber, there's no labor, the supply chain's all jacked up now, and all the lumber that's out there, everybody wants for their projects now. So now it costs a fortune. So if you need wood for your house or that company that couldn't make shingles for three months because the government shut them down or whatever, or they laid everybody off because nobody was buying stuff, are now getting just killed in orders and it's killing the whole process. So had we built last year, we probably would have been fine.
0: Okay, so it's just building right now that that's the issue.
1: Yeah, but our contract <laughs> says that once we sign it, they have about four to six months to do it. Oh, wow. Now, I'm sure there's a little legalese in there that gives them ways to extend it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, in reality, basically since April 13th, uh, they have four to six months from that point Wow To really do it Okay um, But we have the Plague of Cicadas coming in a couple of weeks I don't know if that will disrupt anything I have
0: no clue Like it, Yeah
1: <laughs> Too much rain can disrupt
0: okay. Too much cold Who knows Well, hopefully we're done with cold I mean, the day, I, the day we, I helped you move your washer and dryer It was like 75 and I was wearing shorts <laughs> And then two days later, it was snowing, like in a legit, legit snow. Yeah. And I had to refine my hoodies and my pants. I heard you guys got
1: like three inches or something. Yeah, we
0: got a crazy amount. Yeah, we
1: got about, we got like one and a half. Like you could still see the grass through it, but Mm -hmm. it was still kind of like, and then by that afternoon, it was gone.
0: Yeah. No, we still had it almost, it snowed all day long. Yeah.
1: Oh yeah. I was like, like, I, I was, I worked from home and I looked outside and I could, I kept seeing the big heavy, like chunks of snow falling Mm -hmm. like off the roof and off the trees as the wind would blow and by the time i went to lunch it was like sunny and it was cold but Mm
0: -hmm. there's no snow see we still had snow like it it melts that's funny because i'm north of you it melts (laughs) melted slower here than it does during the winter when it's there and then like when i was getting home from work it was snowing again like some legit snow ah i think i think we got
1: a flurry or maybe like a Overnight thing, but I don't think anything stuck. We had thunder. Did you did you have
0: that? We didn't have
1: thunder. No, that was kind of interesting. Like during the snow. Yeah. Well, it was like that night we had had thunder lightning, a couple a rounds of it, it, but it was like sleet.
0: That's weird.
1: Yeah. So, but yeah, it didn't stick or anything though. It was just it came down, hit, and was gone. So, it, well, we also have the steel plant up there. I'm pretty sure it probably contributes to some <clears throat> sort of like natural oven. Okay. That, burns all the snow off or something okay i made that up
0: it makes sense to me i don't know the
1: one meteorologist in cincinnati uh there, there's two of them from two different stations they actually wrote a paper they got published on um like <clears throat> localized weather phenomena because we have a natural gas plant that uses uh, cool, like cooling towers. Yeah. And actually had produced like an inch of snow in Middletown, but nowhere else got it. This hmm. is a couple of years ago. And they actually wrote a paper on it. And like, it's a published study now.
0: Okay. But, but see, Middletown is one of those though, that it's like, weird. you have that pond of scary stuff. Which one? I don't know. Which, Wait, which one? <laughs> oh no, There's that one near the park that we were walking at one time that's like white, and you're like, don't oh, touch that because it's... it's
1: the, there's a paper towel-making plant, <clears throat> and it's basically all the wood pulp excess that goes out into that pond.
0: Okay. Yeah. Cause that, that's weird. And I'm like, you guys have little ponds of not-so-ponds that could <laughs> kill people, and I'd love to see the ducks that come out of that thing.
1: So by the steel plant... The steel plant pays a couple of the neighborhoods around there uh, yearly money to wash their houses and cars because they get all the steel crap, like the soot and stuff, on yeah. their houses and cars. Wow. There's also higher than national average cancer rates in those two neighborhoods.
0: And you're telling me to move to
1: Middletown? We don't live anywhere close to those okay. issues. They're, they're called, unfortunately- So it, you it, think. It, they're, they're all named after Native American tribes, and okay. they call the neighborhood the Rez. reservations um it's pretty bad down there and i I would not encourage anybody to move in down there you make oh cheap housing in middletown that's not where you want to go okay um we have that we have the natural gas plant that makes it snow on us um
0: that's not a concern
1: no because that's that's water vapor it's steam oh okay as a matter of fact it was really weird looking snow because it was like so unpolluted Huh. It was like super sparkly and like super white. It was like really crazy. It was, wow. I remember walking to work, I was walking to my car to go to work that day and I was like, oh, it snowed. And I was like, it's kind of weird looking snow. And then I like, I read the report on it and then read the paper. I was like, oh, that's kind of interesting. Okay. There's only been a couple of man-made weather phenomenons like in the United States in history. And they're now examining it to see like what, what happens when we do stuff like this. It's super cold, but we have, you know, steam rising up enough to, Make a cloud and then snow. Huh. Thank you, people.
0: And I'm still concerned.
1: No, you know. That's why we're moving, <laughs> a, that's why we're moving across the highway. Right. <laughs> well, then the schools. But system, Scott
0: moved but. to Middletown.
1: No, I just you told know. you, come up to Franklin.
0: That's true. You did You did change that location. Come, come
1: be my uh-huh. neighbor. Uh-huh. Come on. Podcasting will be much easier.
0: That is true. We do like three nights a week. Uh, well, that, oh, man, we get through Ezekiel in no time. Right, we get Hold
1: on, adjust your microphone. Um, yeah, speaking of Ezekiel, what's going on in twelve?
0: Oh, that's a great question. Well, God is speaking through Ezekiel, and I find that out in 12.1, I think. <laughs> Spoiler alert. <laughs> um, so I guess we're in Ezekiel twelve, um, and um, so yeah, I guess we are. <laughs> I guess so. I'm a little bit further in the study, but um, so we're we're talking about twelve. And I think we're going to start off by reading Ezekiel twelve one through seven. Yes. <clears throat> All right. The word of the Lord came to me, son of man. You dwell in the midst of a rebellious house, who have eyes to see but see not, who have ears to hear but hear not, for they are a rebellious house. As for you, son of man, prepare for yourself an exile's baggage and go into exile by day in their sight. You shall go like an exile from your place to another place, in their sight. Perhaps they will understand, though they are a rebellious house. You shall not bring out your beggar or baggage by day in their sight, a baggage for exile, and you shall go out Yourself at evening in their sight, as those who must go into exile. In their sight, dig through the wall and bring your baggage out through it. In their sight, you shall lift the baggage upon your shoulder and carry it out at dusk. You shall cover your face that you may not see the land, for I have made you a sign for the house of Israel. Oh, and as I command, I brought out my baggage by day as baggage for exile, and in the evening I dug through the wall with my own hands. I brought out my baggage at dusk, carrying it on my shoulder in their sight. Yes. Well, this week um, I utilized a couple commentaries.
1: And he ran away. Um, What's funny is my commentary said, Hey, for pictures of an exile's baggage, check out this commentary. I can't find it anywhere. Are
0: you serious? I was
1: like, it's not on Amazon. It's not on Libby. It's not like I went to Zondervan's website. They don't have like, I searched for it. No record of it. I was like, oh, thanks wow. for telling me to go check out those pictures. That okay. Don't exist anywhere.
0: I should just say Google. I did. I
1: tried to find the book or something, but I didn't think that Google exiles baggage. Oh, okay. Yeah. Be. But I'm like, that's a lame commentary. commentary right. Like, You're supposed tell to put
0: me. the picture there. Um, well, I used uh, Stephen Toll Ezekiel. Um, I also used uh, Christopher Wright Ezekiel, and I used the IVB Old Testament coven- Commentary um, for yes um, this week. Sorry. Oh yeah. Oh. So anyway, so what um, do you? I
1: basically <clears throat> stick to my Expositor's Bible Commentary, the EBC, because I own the whole set. Um, and then I use a lot of little sub resources out of Logos Bible software. So I should probably note what they are when I use them because they actually have a handy citing feature that I have used for college, but don't use for the podcast. podcast.
0: Shame, yeah. shame, shame. So anyway, yeah. What'd you <laughs> learn from your commentary and the stuff you stole from other people?
1: I didn't steal. I own it. Oh, bro. I owned it. Didn't cite. No, nah, um, <laughs> basically, uh, the people that he's doing the these acts in front of the the acting like an exile would be very familiar with like what he's doing they, that's something they've all gone through so it's it's a common everyday occurrence. It would be the same thing as if like I were to or you because you work for a school district, mm-hmm. if you were to go to a school and then like be told to go up in front and pretend like you're teaching like all your teachers like in the district like, oh yeah, we know what he's doing. Mm -hmm. Like, so they, they very much understood what's going on. Um, I always find it interesting that he, I I think I might've said this in the first couple of podcasts. Like he's like the prop prophet. Like we have prop comics. Like they do like, you know, like the one guy that smashes watermelons or whatever. Like they have props that they use. Like, like Ezekiel's like, I'm going to act out this drama. Like he he gets, that's his call. He's like the thespian prophet. Like, He instead of just saying a bunch of words, he actually goes out and does it. But one thing that I find interesting is that he's told how to respond if they ask questions, but he doesn't go out necessarily like with like an Isaiah-like dissertation. Mm-hmm. Like he doesn't have like three pages on the scroll that he's going to like read in front of the people. It's more like God will tell them what to say if they they say something, or he'll give him a sentence or two. But it's never like what you see in some of the other at least to this point, it's not like what you
0: see in some of the other prophets. Well, I think I like him. He's a good teacher. Oh yeah. I like him too. (laughs) Um, Because really like, you know, we're not meant to just stand up and talk and blah, blah, blah. Like, and I I think Jesus is really good at the object lesson. Mm -hmm. Um, and, And I think Ezekiel is awesome at the object lesson. Like, Every, like a lot of his big oracles and a lot of the very big things he wants to communicate, like he is utilizing all types of props and actions and, you know, it's going to get people curious. And it's one of those things that you're not going to forget some dude who's putting on the baggage, (laughs) pretending he's an exile and digging a hole in the wall. In his own Um, house. Right. (laughs) So, I mean. Did you know that they used to
1: think that he was breaching the wall around the city, but then they're like, no, dude, they're exiles. They don't have a city wall. That oh, was an honest debate among scholars for a while. Really? They're like, no, this is like a town. This is not a fortified city. Huh? So, and they looked at the the word for the wall is different in Hebrew than it would be for like a
0: city wall. Okay. So, yeah, tidbit. And there he's saying there. it's very possible because he um, one of the commentaries told said that the <laughs> wall would have been made with mud and brick, mm-hmm. so it really would have been very possible for him to dig a legit hole through the wall. Yeah. Um. So yeah. Sorry, I straight up interrupted you. No, you're good. Um, No, that's my fault. (laughs) So, anything else? Um, Uh, Yeah, he's
1: basically uh, going through like a deportation process in front of everybody here. So he's doing what they're familiar with. Um, The hole in the wall is most likely uh, portraying like the enemy breaching the wall, showing that there's like a weak spot that they're going to be able to come through. Uh, The part that people also debate is like covering his face. Um, and what that actually means. My ear itches, sorry. Ah, I'll take these headphones off anyway. And I'll make lots of noise with them. Put them on my cotton candy. <laughs> sorry. Um, but they're wondering if the covering of his face either meant that the exiles will never see Judah again, um, or the uh, the depicts the blinding of Zedekiah, and he won't see Babylon, which we'll get into a little bit later. Mm-hmm. But that... Um, I don't think that's necessarily the like to us mm-hmm. um the most important parts. Uh maybe to them it meant something, but I just couldn't find anything that made me like, Oh, well now I get it. You know, like mm-hmm. it didn't it, it wasn't as uh life changing to me, but maybe it was to them. But yeah. Once think it's all very as opposed to before, where we we're getting depictions of like what heaven looked like, and mm-hmm. like you know these strange creatures doing these strange things, and these gears and gyroscopes and all this other stuff. Now we're getting like you know night of the improv theater with Ezekiel,
0: like <laughs> yeah, and and I got so because I mean I mean I don't want to spoil it too much because you know a lot of, cause at first I was kind of confused. I was like, all right, so, so what is going, why is he packing for a short trip? Like (laughs) I had a lot of questions. Um, I was like, what would they have understood? Um, and then it's like, you know, he even says, you know, son of man, you dwell in the midst of rebellious house. And, who advised to see? It. So like I was like, well, that's encouraging. You know, you're going to go ahead and talk to them. And by the way, they're rebellious people, and they're not going to listen to you anyway. Which we're going like, to
1: hear about them being a rebellious people. How many times?
0: Yeah, we've already heard it. Yeah, yeah.
1: No, I mean in this chapter. Oh, oh I, yeah. I think it's oh, a couple, yeah. at least three more. Yeah.
0: And so like I would have been discouraged before I got started to be like, well, why even start then? Like, uh, you know. And so then you know I'm I'm kind of sitting there going, well, well, this is kind of a big idea. You know what what is. And I started asking when I first started reading it, I was like, is he trying to sneak out? Like, what well, what's going on? What because I was curious, like looking at this picture.
1: Oh, like was he trying to escape persecution yeah, and or
0: so was, and, and so I was like, Well, what is Ezekiel trying to communicate through this through, you know, these these this picture, this, you know, packing up, this getting ready to move. And I was like, Well, the exiles, this probably would have been this is something they just went through. They just got exiled. So they're like, Okay, so they probably get some of that, but
1: I wonder nervousness, like, oh, do we got to go again? Yeah, like, yeah.
0: And and what are they thinking? Because like most of the other, um, most of the other oracles that, that that Ezekiel was working through, like, it never ended good. Like, right. did they really want to ask him what he was doing, or <laughs> were they getting nervous, being like, oh no, what's going on now? Like, everything right. we've heard so far has not been. And so oh, you know, look at Mister Doom and Gloom. Now he's carrying a bag. Great. Yeah. Like, So, like, I would have been scared and yet curious all at the same time. And so it's like, well, what is going through their minds? And then I was like, does Ezekiel know? Like, did God give him the full understanding or did God just say, hey, tell you what, put the bags on, pretend you're leaving, not just for a day trip, you're taking all of it, pretend to dig through, like, or not pretend, I mean, dig through. Yeah, actually
1: digging through his house. So.
0: (laughs) So like, did Ezekiel know? Was he just as curious as these people? Um, And so, yeah, so I had a lot of questions just looking at it myself going, what's going through their minds? And does Ezekiel even know? Because many times throughout this, Ezekiel doesn't even get the full picture until later on. So God's saying, well, we'll go ahead, start doing this stuff. And then, you know, later on, we'll give you the picture. So, I don't know, so that's kind of what my thoughts is as I was reading through it, trying to figure out well, what is going on and and what's he trying to communicate?
1: Well, actually, starting in verse eight, we might get some answers, <laughs> <laughs> so you're just leading yourself right to this <laughs> <laughs> Let's
0: see verse so eight
1: through um, that's a good question I mean i the paragraph ends at sixteen, but there's probably quite a bit in there uh the pre-production meeting didn't tell us i would say you could probably maybe 14 8
0: through 14 8 through 14
1: all right it's kind of the same thought but we can discuss them separate my notes are kind of crappy on this
0: chapter so i've got actually quite a bit but good um oh that was scary yeah um in the morning the word of the lord came to me uh, son of man, son of man, has not the house of Israel, or the rebellious house said to you, what are you doing? Um, what are you doing? Say Sorry. to them, thus says the Lord God. This oracle concerns the prince in Jerusalem and all the house of Israel who are are in it. Say, I am a sign for you as I have done, so shall it be done to them. They shall go into exile into captivity. And the prince who is among them shall lift his baggage upon his shoulder at dusk and shall go out. They shall dig through the wall to bring him out through it. He shall cover his face that he may not see the land with his eyes. And I will spread my net over him, and he shall be taken in, um, taken in my snare. my snare. And I will bring him to Babylon, the land of the Chaldeans. Yet he shall not see it, and he shall die there. Yeah, that's, I, that's probably a good spot. Okay. Um,
1: because we can end with the prince, and then we can pick up what happens to everyone around him. Okay, sounds good. All
0: right. Yeah, because I was sitting there going, well, it's still kind so, of.
1: Yeah, it's, a, it's it's kind of related, but kind of not. Oh lights! Nice. This is amazing. Yeah, I was getting kind
0: of dark. I was yeah, like I trying to trying to read in the my Bible. Smaller this time. I did. Yeah. didn't bring my big one. So, well, I guess at this point, um, Israel gets or Ezekiel gets the the second thing of instructions, and I think they were confused. And I think with any good object lesson, like one of my favorite things to do as a teacher is I love. Bringing the students in absolutely fully confused what we're doing, and as I'm doing it or making them participate in some sort of activity or simulation, they're still going, "What is going on?" And then they're like, "Okay, what what what's going on?" So, like, what are you trying to teach us? And it's kind of one of those things where you know that that it gets them asking that question. Well, we're doing all this stuff, or you're doing this. What's going on? And I think after going through this thing that, that God told him to go through, where you're packing up, not for a day trip, et cetera, et cetera, they're finally going, okay, fine. What, what's going on, Ezekiel?
1: Well, I would also wonder if so far up to this point, they still didn't understand why they were exiled. Hmm. Well, what are you doing? Look, I'm assigned to you, and I have as I have done, so shall it be done to them. They shall go into exile, into captivity. At like like basically reinforcing the fact that God is the one who sent them into exile. That it is something to do with them losing their place as God's chosen people and being cast out into exile and they still don't get it. So like, you know, kind of Ezekiel being like, "duh, I'm do I'm cast out into exile." Remember guys, God is telling us we're You know, like I, I often wonder if it's or not often because I've only read this like three times in my life. <laughs> I also wonder if it's not him trying to remind them, like, hey, the the reason we're here is because of like our like sin, as opposed to you know.
0: Well, the crazy part though is this isn't even towards. I mean,
1: he yeah, says yeah, but the first line. Sorry.
0: Oh, being um, eight. If you he says
1: um, in ten actually. Uh, Well, okay, nine, what are you doing? And he says, say to them, thus says the Lord God, this oracle concerns the prince of Jerusalem and all the house of Israel who are in it. So not just the prince, but all of Mm -hmm. them. uh, Say, I am a sign for you as I have done, so shall it be done to them. They shall go into exile, into captivity. It's like a reminder that you are here because the Lord is making it so. And this man, Zedekiah, this prince is going to be... With you.
0: Okay. Concerns the prince in Jerusalem and all the house of Israel who are in it. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a reminder of the judgment against them. Yeah. Because they apparently are just like, what, what's going on? We don't understand. And,
0: But they're Bro. told multiple times, and we're only in, in, what, chapter 12, and there's how many chapters in Ezekiel? 30-something. Um, so right. I, I feel like they're probably going to, they've already been told this a bunch of times, right. and they're probably going to be told this a lot more times, too.
1: Why is this happening to me? Because we're sinners. Right. <laughs> like, you guys just don't get it. You've turned your back on God. That's why.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: No, really, Why? Why are we exiled? <laughs> because we're sinners and we turned our backs on God.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, he's already had how many oracles to remind them of? Here's all of the different. Right. Here's all of the different things that that we've been talking about. Like, well, you know, if, here's how you've been rebellious. Here's how you haven't been obedient. Here's
1: if I'm preaching this, I'm talking about how this concerns also their leaders that they're following, the prince in uh, in Jerusalem, saying, you know. You're going to put your trust in this guy, but he's under the same judgment as you. But but actually though, his is worse.
0: But but actually though, going back to Tenno, <clears throat> come to think of it, say to them thus says the Lord God this oracle concerns the prince in Jerusalem and mm-hmm. all the house of Israel who are in it. Yeah. So technically then this is not referring to the exiles then.
1: Well, well, yeah, because it's Judah versus Israel.
0: Well, no, because it's talking about specifically inside of Jerusalem.
1: Yeah, Jerusalem's about to get booted.
0: Right. So then are the exiles right here, do you think that it would bring a relief if he's saying, well, this is specifically talking about, I mean, now this might bring any hope of them getting back to Jerusalem. Um, He's
1: prophesying like the... Deportation from the remnant from Jerusalem that happens around 586. So let's see here. So these
0: guys are already exiled. So they're getting this now. So do you think that maybe they feel relieved? Well, no, probably not, because they still are hoping there's still hope that they want to make it back to Israel or to Jerusalem. Right. But if Jerusalem's gonna be destroyed, yeah, then that means there's no hope you're going back home anytime soon.
1: Yeah, there's still, like mm-hmm. I said, he, he's reiterating that God's judgment is coming to pass yeah. and that this is not like a temporary thing. Yeah. Like, you know, like this, this is what he's over and over again, he's trying to explain to me, hey, this is how it's going to happen. And then he goes on to say, once again, like I said, if I was preaching this, I would go and say, hey, you're putting your trust in this, You know, this return to Israel or this uh, this prince, your leaders, the leaders of Israel to be able to go back and they're going to everything's going to be back to hunky dory. And it's going to be, you know, the last few chapters of Deuteronomy all over again. in reality, that's not the case because, you know, it's going to get worse before it gets
0: better. Right, right.
1: Yes. Yeah, my opinion. Yeah, no, I, th- I think you're right. I think you're right. <laughs> I just kind of think even nowadays when we follow our political leaders and think they're going to lead us back to the right everything.
0: Yeah. Uh, Dude, I don't drink that Kool-Aid. If
1: you, if you ever get a chance, and this is also, I'll throw this recommendation out to the listeners, but you're going to hear how Baptist I am. Um, Matt Chandler of the Village Church is going through Revelation right now. Yeah, yeah. And he does a spectacular sermon on The Beast mm-hmm. and The Baby Beast. Hold on, let me see which one it is. Um, I would put this in the show notes, but I probably won't because I suck at that stuff. Um, you don't have to clap for me. I'm, I'm not good at this.
0: So my daughter's, a, um, we, we our recording studio is my basement. Um, don't spoil <laughs> I mean, it is a highly put together studio. Um, and we have famous guests that come by and put my cats away. I mean, my daughter's cats away. I believe
1: believe if you go through starting around April um, and check out the village church podcast with Matt Chandler, check out his revelation series. It's mm -hmm. awesome. Okay. Uh, If you check out that series, he talks about the, the three, like the antichrist, the beast and all that stuff. He talks about how basically like one is symbolizing political power um I think he does a wonderful job unpacking that and it gives the dangers of like, you know, uh nationalism mm-hmm. and imperialism and all that other good stuff. But I I feel like the same thing's kind of playing out here. Mm-hmm. Um that same idea, like, hey, don't put your hope in this political structure and these rulers or whatever, because um down here he's gonna go to Babylon, but he's he gonna die there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he will not see Babylon, mm-hmm. he won't even make it there. Like it says of what 13 and I'll spread my net over him and he'll be taken in my snare. Now that's not one of those cool things. Like when God's like, I'm going to, you know, spread my wings and all that stuff. He says, and I will bring him to Babylon, the land of the Chaldeans. Yet he shall not see it and he shall die there. I mean, so it's not going to end well for their, you know, their prince. Well, mm-hmm. Israel's prince.
0: If you're looking from a historical context, um, Actually, it is very... Really? So, Wait, sorry. Big Chungus just came down the stairs. That cat is huge. <laughs> yeah, yes. <he is.
1: laughs>
0: sorry. Go on. <laughs> From a historical context. Um, our cat is huge. But the other ones are tiny. Um, it's because that one's threatening to eat them. <laughs> <laughs> he does eat all of their food. We had four cats. That's now why why we have three. <laughs> <laughs> um, if you look at 2 <laughs> Kings twenty five four. Um, You see where this had actually happened. It says, Then a breach was made in the city, and all the men of war fled by night by the way of the gate between the two walls by the king's garden, and the Chaldeans were around the city. And they went in the direction of the Arabah, but the army of the Chaldeans pursued the king and overtook him in the plains of Jericho, and all his army was scattered from him. Then they captured the king and brought him up to the king of Babylon at Riblah, and they passed sentence on him. They slaughtered the sons of Zedekiah before his eyes and put out the eyes of Zedekiah and bound him in chains and took him to Babylon." Whew. So that is 2 Kings 25, 4 through 7. Um, so we yeah, Ezekiel
1: s- referring to him as a prince is definitely showing that he does not recognize him as a true king.
0: Well, actually, though, I read where that would have been a common... Utilizing the word prince would have still been a reference in that time period to a to him as a king. So mine I says, what I read.
1: verses 12 through 14 relate specifically to Zedekiah the prince. He is called the prince in verse 12. Because he is not the legitimate king. Okay. So your commentator can take it up with my commentator.
0: <laughs> actually, Christopher Wright did not have much in 12. So actually, ha! most of what I got was through Stephen Toll. And he said, the term translated prince is the term Ezekiel uses to refer to... The- okay, so maybe... Okay, I see. So I guess he I, utilized... I, I,
1: I, I'm just saying what I read. I don't care. I'm not, I'm not fighting on it.
0: No, no, I'm trying to process oh. it myself. It's got nothing. Gotcha. So the term translated prince in the, is the term Ezekiel uses to refer to the king of Israel. So maybe you're correct. Maybe this is just how the term that he uses refers to prince. But I guess I did not get that this is how they would have referred to a prince at this time. So that was my wrong and how I wrote it down. Yeah, I mean, I would
1: say it's speculation on my part, but it's not even. I'm just... I was regurgitating my commentary straight up.
0: However, <laughs> in ancient Near East, the blinding um, the blinding was a normal punishment for a rebellious vassal. That was fairly common. So if he
1: was a vassal, that means he definitely wasn't a true king. He mm-hmm. was like basically a puppet.
0: So, yeah, so that's kind of how they, uh, kind of what he said. Um, yeah. And even Zedekiah's guards tried to, oh, we, we haven't read that part yet. Um, well, you did in, the, in, in Kings. Oh, I did? Okay, yeah. I was yeah. trying to get the Hebrew,
1: but I'm slow. Um, but I realized I was looking at Esther. Man, have I got some disturbing things about that book, if you ever want to talk.
0: Oh, I got a great new book that I'm going to read that is from a, a rabbi, um, Rabbi Foreman. And he does a great thing called The Passover, you, or The the Exodus You Almost Passed Over, Oh my gosh! It is an amazing read um, when you relook at um, the Passover story, and uh, or just the yeah, and you relook at it. There's many times I had to go back to then and said, "Oh my gosh, did it really say that?" Oh, the Bible really said that. Um, but he's got one on um, on Esther, and I can't wait to read it. I was going to wait for the summer reading.
1: So the hanging of Haman mm-hmm. um, doesn't refer to him. By his neck. Oh. It's a pike. Oh, ooh. Yeah. Oh. And when they hang him, they're hanging him up through impaling paling.
0: <laughs> oh.
1: <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> no.
0: <laughs> well, now I can't wait to get the book. <laughs>
1: that's, yeah, I, I wonder what he'll have to say about it. I, I was like, that's disgusting. I guess there's a lot more, like, if you can dig a little deeper into Esther, that's. Insane.
0: Oh, I can't. Again, it's a so. whole book, um, and I'm looking again. He he brought to light. He's actually not a Christian. He's a rabbi, right? He's, he's a, um, so he he actually says when when he writes his books. There's three books. I've read one of them, and he says I look at the I look at the. Um, historical so we look at um, evidence based historical evidence but then we also look at what the rabbis and the Mishnah talk about throughout and it's like oh wow it's just a fun read but anyway sorry that has nothing Uh, to do with Ezekiel really so the term
1: prince uh, here is very much used for basically like a chief of staff or um, the person who's placed in charge of other administrators and other rulers so basically, the guy under the king. Okay. So it's definitely not a. It's not like a. We're just translating a prince because it's it's a very different um, word, and also talks about how it's also used uh, mostly for foreign princes that would be in charge of negotiations and the leaders of the exiles under Cyrus. So there okay. you go. So it's definitely so he not is a, not
0: being given that right. role as king. Right. Okay.
1: So Zedekiah is definitely not numero uno. Right. Well, I think actually... When it's a vassal, I could see that definitely being a false...
0: Well, I think even earlier in Ezekiel, come to think of it, um, as they were continuing their judging of... As they're continuing to, like, I guess, record in history with the king, they actually didn't refer to Zedekiah as the current king, but the first one that had been exiled before him. Am I correct in... Saying I think that, so, but
1: I can't think of what is it. I can think of the Judah, the king of Judah at the time, but I can't think of who the king of Israel would have been,
0: unless that is because he was one of the first to be exiled, like in the, the one of the first deportations. And then Zedekiah was put there as the vassal king, he thought he'd be all cool and stuff and rebel. Right. And Nebuchadnezzar's like, <laughs> That was dumb. Um, by the way, let's pluck out your eyes,
1: but like this does give a different view of Nebuchadnezzar. Oh yeah. <laughs> he's not like the little veggie tails.
0: No, was, <laughs> well, <he's>, well, cause <laughs> even in Daniel, Nebuchadnezzar isn't given a horrible I mean, Nebuchadnezzar goes through a, a definitely goes through a process of of acknowledging God. You see I guess Daniel's perspective mm-hmm. of Nebuchadnezzar, but if you're thinking about the ruthful I guess the ruthless I guess Babylonian leader that would have helped conquer part of the world. Right. Then you, you got to be pretty legit in the way that you're <sighs> going into these places and he I mean I guess you got to give Nebi a little bit of credit credit where God Nebi. <laughs> <laughs> he actually it wasn't until they tried to rebel again that he really said okay that was a dumb idea. But he could have taken him out a whole lot harsher than he did originally. Yeah. And he didn't until this time. So, you know, I guess now he needed to make a point.
1: Yeah. But. I, I see, uh, Yeah, it's not a pleasant. Whole no, not no. pleasant at all.
0: Well, if you thought that you were part of uh, Zedekiah's buddies and you were going to escape um we find out that in verse 14 he says and i will scatter toward every wind Um, And I will scatter toward every wind all who are around him, his helpers and all his troops, and I will unsheathe the sword after them. Uh Uh-oh, there's a sword. That's Mm. not good. And they shall know that I am the Lord when I disperse them among the nations and scatter them among the countries. But I will let a few of them escape from the sword, from famine and pestilence, that they may declare all their abominations among the nations where they go and may know that I am the Lord." Yep, uh, that mm-hmm. sucks. <laughs> so so really, any of Zedekiah's, you know, at first you think, all oh, right, boys. well, I'm buddies with the king. Yeah, that that was okay until right now. And that's not going to end up very good for you. But if you're sitting there going, well, I was not part of Zedekiah's good buddies, he goes on in <laughs> verse 18
1: through 20. Well, re- uh, right, go, oh, on. Yeah, go on. No, go on.
0: And in eighteen through twenty, he says. Oh, okay, wait. Okay, oh, we did miss um, that.
1: In sixteen, he says, "But I will let a few of them escape oh, yeah. from Ooh. the sword, oh, from yeah. famine, and pestilence, that they may declare all their abominations among the nations where they go, and may know that I am the Lord." You're like, wait a minute. If they're going to go out and talk about their idols, how's that going to let them know that like God is God is numero uno, that Yahweh is Lord? Um, essentially, a lot of these like nations and even like battalions would have like their own patron deity, Mm. deity, however you pronounce it, their own fake god um, that they would march under. And if they were to get defeated and there was just a remnant that like came into a city and they're like, what happened? And they basically would say like, oh, well, we got defeated here. It would actually make them look like they followed a weak god. And it would like bring shame upon them to know that they got defeated by somebody else's stronger god. Hmm. So what he's saying is like, yeah, let them go and declare their little gods all over the place because uh, they gotta explain who crushed them. Okay. It's gonna be me. You know, nice. kind of thing. Okay. So I thought I I just thought that was kind of I think those things are cool. Yeah, I, I like, do just too. This little like,
0: We got our little god, yeah. <laughs> and
1: it's like <laughs> And God's like, I'm going to let the four of you go and tell people what just happened. Hmm. Like, I mean, that's like some mafia boss right well, there.
0: I, I love how the the reoccurring phrase throughout all, almost all of, I mean, so, at least so far throughout Ezekiel is so that they may know that I am the Lord. Yeah. And the thing is, is like when I was reading that that book, the Exodus, you, you almost passed over, you see even within that 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 narrative so that you will know that I am the Lord. And, and since studying Ezekiel, I've actually seen that pop up more within the Old Testament. So even when when you're talking about this judgment that we see of God, much much of the time it is so that they may know that I am the Lord. Like he is Mm -hmm. revealing himself and his authority. Um, And it's not for just um, an empty judgment and destruction, but it is so that you will know the God that wants to, to have a, a true legit relationship. And it never ends with just, I'm going to destroy everybody, mm-hmm. but it always ends in a restoration. And so, I mean, we see that throughout the entire Old Testament, you know, that continual judgment, but then you then come back to a restoration and then eventually, even cooler, we, we get Jesus, mm-hmm. which is, I mean, what, one of the most ultimate restorations that we could even, I mean, well, we couldn't imagine it. because because
1: yeah, <laughs> we didn't. Right, right.
0: Um so I love how that that that's just continued to repeat so that they will know that I am the Lord like there's it's not an empty purpose it's you know it's it's a wanting of a restoration mm-hmm. so that they can genuinely know God and see their empty idols as empty idols and abominations. Yeah.
1: Now I know you just said restoration. But what this reminds I think it was the 1989 Batman where he like beats up the criminal and he he's like I want you to tell all your friends who I am. Tell him that I'm the Batman or whatever. Like, there's not really restoration there. But that's actually, like, to me, kind of a good picture of what's going on. Oh, yeah. Hey, I want you to go tell your friends, like, you know, what's <clears throat> going on? Maybe you shouldn't be a criminal because there's a guy in a rubber suit that will beat you up. Yep. In this case, hey, go in and tell your friends what happened. Tell You know, because I am God. You know, mm-hmm. and I don't know.
0: And if, I, and if I were alive during 1989, I might have been able to, to understand a little oh, bit oh, more. Oh,
1: yeah, you weren't, you weren't there.
0: <laughs>
1: yeah. yeah, I forgot. You're six months older than me, but <laughs> blipped out, Thanos snapped for a few months or and, something. It happened
0: um, in the Marvel Universe. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, just
1: so you'd miss the DC movie.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Amen. Um, wow. Yeah, I don't know how to come back from that. Um, yeah, just read. Oh, 18 through 20. <laughs> So okay, fine. You're the people. Um, you weren't part. Of, you weren't Zedekiah. You weren't part of his crew. So in 17, it says, "And the word of the Lord came to me, son of man, eat your bread with quaking and drink your water with trembling and with anxiety." Oh, and say <laughs> to the people of the land, "Thus says the Lord God concerning the inhabitants of Jerusalem in the land of Israel: They shall eat their bread with anxiety and drink water in dismay." In this way, her land will be stripped of all it contains on account of the violence of all those who dwell in it. And the inhabitant cities shall be laid waste and the land shall become a desolation and you shall know that I am the Lord. That sucks.
1: <laughs> what well, about that last line? Huh? You know, they'll know that he's the Lord. Right, absolutely.
0: <laughs> so like, I wonder what the, what the feelings of the exiles would have been like. Are they relieved that they're no longer in Jerusalem? Are they sad because now there's no hope that they'll ever leave Jerusalem or leave exile? Like Mm -hmm. maybe there was that hope that they could be sent back to Jerusalem, but if it's going to be destroyed, then no. But then, so that means any, anything or homes that were left is gone, but, or are they upset and sad because they still have family that's there and now they have to go through the destruction? Is it a mixture of all of those things you know, is there that desire to, to now want to repent? Um, or is it the way the chapter started where they're rebellious? They're going to hear all these things and they're just going to ignore it and go on with their lives. Mm. Um, or are they going to be have pity on themselves being like, ah, oh, you know, like, but not realize their sin? Again, I guess as, as, as they're hearing this, I'm, I'm trying to imagine like what genuinely would have been they've been thinking being exiles and knowing that their home is about ready to be sieged. And I mean,
1: I wonder if they go through that whole, what is it like that? This seven stages of grief or whatever. I mm-hmm. wonder if they, if they like go through that, like, right. No, <clears throat> like, okay, fine. This is dumb. And then they like accept it. Like, yeah, I wonder if that's like kind of how they went. I don't know. Yeah. Fear.
0: I don't, I don't know. I mean, I guess Ezekiel, <laughs> was he, I mean, Did he play that role of prophet, but also as a pastor? Because now he's also, he's going through it. And so is he going to help them process this? And maybe that's going to lead to to a place of repentance and restoration? Because, I mean, Ezekiel actually isn't in a different spot. It's not like he's going, well, you guys are in this boat. And he's like, oh, crap. And as a
1: future priest, he would have been, you know, like he would have wanted to honor the temple. He would have wanted Mm. to fulfill his calling, you know, so on and so forth. And I would imagine that's this, you know, um, nobody dreams of planting a church, hoping that they will remain forever in like, you know, somebody's living room. Yeah. They, they plant the church hoping that someday that they might get, you know, into a place where they can conduct ministry into a place where people can come in and hear the word preached and so on and so forth. Um, you know, so he might be like, Oh man, that's really gonna, you know, obscure what I thought my calling was gonna look like. It's really gonna be different now. Like I'm not gonna be doing sacrifices at the temple and
0: so on and so forth. Right. Oh that's yeah, yeah. I don't know. All right so finished off a chapter 21? Yeah 28 ahead. Yep. All right. Finishing off the chapter 21 through 28 of chapter twelve. And the word of the Lord came to me, Son of man, what is this proverb that you have about the land of Israel saying, The days grow long and every vision comes to nothing? Tell them, therefore, thus says the Lord God, I will put an end to this proverb, and they shall no more use it as a proverb in Israel. But say to them, The days are near and the fulfillment of every vision. For there shall be no more any false vision or flattening divina- divination. divination, Flattering divination. Fl- fl- Flattering divination Yet within the house of Israel, for I am the Lord, I will speak. The word of the Lord that I... I need, I need to bring my other Bible. The word that I will speak, and it will be performed. It will no longer be delayed. But in those days, O oh rebellious house, I will speak the word and perform it, declares the Lord God. And the word of the Lord came to me. Son of man, behold, they of all house all house of Israel say the vision that he sees is for many days from now and he prophesies of times far off therefore say to them thus says the lord god none of my words will be delayed any longer but the word that i speak will be performed declares the lord god so pretty much they got a bunch of stupid sayings <laughs> And God's like, yeah, those are stupid sayings. Let me tell you what's really going to happen. And, and really, I guess it's the leaders of Israel, that are of Jerusalem, that are being kind of shady, trying to get people to think, giving them false hope. And is, uh, God's like, there's no false hope. Um, this is what's really going to happen.
1: Yeah, I think a, a lot of times, even in today's culture and world, like we feel that our judgment is far off that mm-hmm. it's not anytime soon and he's basically God here is basically saying like the the judgment will not be delayed like yeah. you don't know when it's coming but don't think that it's like going to happen three lifetimes from now because you know it's it's right around the corner right like you know
0: <laughs> yeah well cuz the first saying says the days grow long and every vision comes to nothing so you hear all these visions but guess what mm-hmm. eh, nothing's going to happen and God's like uh, wait a second um the days are near and the fulfillment of every and the fulfillment of every vision. Ooh, well, that's kind of contradictory to what what they're telling yeah, the other proverb. people in Jerusalem. And the second proverb is Um The vision that he sees is for many days from now, and he prophesies of times far off. And God's like, Well, actually, thus says the Lord God, none of my words will be delayed any longer, but the word that I speak will be performed, declares the Lord God. So I mean, oh, oh, these visions oh, they'll happen way, way in the future. That's not for tomorrow. And God's like, actually, they're gonna happen really soon, like really, really soon.
1: Yeah.
0: Um. So yeah. So they're kind of giving Jerusalem false hope, and God's like, it really is false hope because we're gonna find out that it's all true, and it's all true very, very soon.
1: Making a note. Sorry. Okay. And Don's <laughs> writing. I'm just trying
0: to- Underline,
1: (laughs) no uh yeah it's definitely something like i said that i think we wrestle with even nowadays we think that our judgment is forever away or whatnot but like even just in our lifetimes we're gonna see uh judgment on nations and so on and so forth we're just not always gonna understand it it doesn't get spelled out by prophets like it did in ezekiel Mm -hmm. um but there's also like our our judgment that happens to us upon either death depending on if you you know if you go that route or if you're a whole soul sleep person or whatever, it's gonna come upon like Christ's return or like mm-hmm. whatever happens, you know, um, that judgment's gonna come before you know it. Like yeah. so don't be living like it's never gonna come. That doesn't make any sense to say that I can do what I want now because I got time. Right. It's like, yes. oh, I can sin now because it doesn't matter. I you know, it's it's a hundred years from now. It's like, no, it's not it's not quite true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> judgment's closer than you think.
0: Yep. And and you're right. I mean yeah, we we just kind of go on living our lives and sinning and going through whatever we're doing. Oh, um, you know, I'll do this tomorrow, or you know, it's going to be for way way off in the future. But but in all honesty, it's 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 not right. Yep. Yeah.
1: Yeah. That's. Way to leave everybody on an up, upbeat.
0: Absolutely. In chapter 13, um, we will be... High, no, it's not going to be too upbeat. No, right? as like, I remember correctly. Prophets yeah. of doom. Well, yeah.
1: It's doom for the prophets. Yeah, I think at least 13 and 14
0: <coughs> is kind of some more judgment acts. and Yep. Oops.
1: I hit a button. Okay. But,
0: but the thing is, is like it, I think many of the things that we're talking about really is still relevant um, because I think as Christians... We do still um, honor idols or worship idols. Mm-hmm. Um, we do still kind of pass things off. We choose disobedience. We, we choose to live certain ways. Um, the leaders in our church, I think, sometimes can... Some of the things that go behind closed doors that we saw in some of the previous chapters um, might might shock. I, I mean, so really our culture isn't that different I think, from, from the culture that, that we're oh, talking yet. about in Ezekiel. is that,
1: that the, the chronological snobbery. Like just, mm-hmm. We think that, oh, we're, we're much more developed past that, and in reality, we're not.
0: No, no, no. There's very, yes, and we'll continue to see that, I think, as we go through Ezekiel. Right. So So, <laughs> chapter 13 next week. Yeah. Read ahead, everybody. I think we're doing a pretty good clip. It's yeah. not like
1: Deuteronomy, where we were like, Three verses at a time. So Right. Um thanks for listening and we will be back with thirteen next time.
0: And if you get bored, we got Deuteronomy. Yeah. You've got it. you haven't done that one. <laughs> 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 All right guys. All right. Bye. Bye.